0: Hi, I'm Bernard Fraser, and you're listening to The Essence of Cool. On today's episode, we chat with radio DJ and amateur musicologist David Yazbek. If you live in Canada's capital city, Ottawa, you'll know David from his long-running show, Thursday Special Blend, on CKCU Radio. A veritable institution in Ottawa, David has been on the air for 16 years, introducing Canadians to a multitude of musical talent, from local indie bands to award-winning artists. With an encyclopedic knowledge of music, his tastes range from rock, folk, punk, and post-punk to ambient, experimental, and jazz. On this episode, David makes his case for why The National, Sonic Youth, and punk icons The Clash are the essence of cool. Let's get started. David Yazbek, welcome to The Essence of Cool. Thanks for coming. Bernard, it's a thrill for me to be here. I appreciate being invited. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm really happy to have you. Um, I, I, you know, as you well know, this, uh, the, the idea here is that uh, we give you the uh, platform to uh, introduce us to two or three artists that you think are cool, and then we uh, have a little chat about why. We try to dig in and figure out exactly why they might be cool. I may not agree with you. I probably will, but, you know, <laughs> cool cool is subjective, as we know. So, you know, but before we get uh, get started, I, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. First of all, how hard was it to choose a couple of artists that you categorized as sort of supremely cool?
1: Oh, my goodness. Bernard, I... I, I like literally had, had trouble sleeping. Like I, I, you know, thinking about, I've been thinking about this in in every spare second that I have because I started a list and then realized it was going to get way, way too long. It was pretty hard. Um, And and precisely because it's hard to define number one. And number two, I mean, frankly, there are lots of really cool artists out there and, and um, you want to give them all credit. And I'm sure I would think of others after the fact as well. Yeah. Um, So all uh, that means is that maybe maybe we'll have to do it again, Bernard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good with that. But uh, uh, as you alluded
0: to, though, I mean, there's so many different ways to categorize cool, right? You know, there's Uh uh, people are cool, for artists are cool for for a variety of different different reasons, and that's one of the reasons I think this is kind of a a neat little idea is to sort of dig in and find out what those different aspects of cool are. So. The other thing is, uh, again, before we dive into your artists, um, you have a very eclectic taste in music, and there's such a range of artists that I know you enjoy, and I'm only, I'm only scratching the surface of, uh, of who you like, so this is an interesting conversation for me. But take me back to like a 14- or 15-year-old David Yazbek. What music oh. were you into? What was, what was turning your crank then?
1: Well, you know what? One of the albums, uh, of the three artists that we're going to talk about and one album I'm going to focus on, I I had that album when it was released and that's The Clash's first album. So that was certainly one of them. Um, Of course, Eddie Van Halen uh, died not long ago. I was listening to the Van Halen first album, uh, ACDC, Judas Priest, uh, Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, uh, Nils Lofgren, You know, U2, Mm. Uh, it was quite variety. And, and I grew up in a small town. The, the the local record store had maybe 10 or 12 crates of albums. Wow. It was pretty, pretty limited supply. However, uh, Terry who ran the place, Terry ran the sound shop. It was very good. He was a very good curator of music. So you could, you could go through there and you can always come away with something interesting and talk to him about it. I'll tell you a funny story though, Bernard, you know what I used to do when I was that age? What was that? Every time I listened, every time I listened to a record, mm. I would write it down. Like I would, I'd write it down, and then I put a little tick that I listened to it. And then every week I would create my own charts. This was this was my favorite album for the week, and I just continued awesome. to do that. <laughs> do you happen to have any of those old charts? Oh, I hope they're stashed away in, in like in, in, in a mattress in my mom's house. She, she still lives in the same house, but I don't okay. think so. I, I I really it was uh, anyway. I wish they were. That would be something to see. let's uh, let's get rolling why don't you throw out your first artist so I'm gonna start let's do this in reverse order of chronology and I'm gonna start with the national okay Uh, and uh, I've been listening to the national for a long time like a lot of people I was first turned on by their boxer record which was released in 2007 I think it was their third or fourth studio album at the time and yeah, again, this is where we get into cool, right? What do you mean by cool? Well, mm-hmm. uh, the national is cool. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of okay. hard to define. Um, but you know what? I, I think there, there. I mean, there are lots of reasons why I, I, I've chosen that band. But two of them, well, three of the main reasons. One is that the drums in, in the national are more than just a, a percussion instrument. It's, it's more than just a beat, uh, keeping time for everybody. The, 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 the I mean, Brian Devendorf is spectacular on drums and it becomes uh, an active instrument on its own. It drives songs, it doesn't just keep the pace, it actually drives them, it turns the corner, etc. You can really hear that on Boxer. Mm. Uh, so that's one of the key features I, I find that makes them cool. Um, a second key feature is, is Matt Bergner's voice, um, it's this lovely baritone voice but uh, again more than just conveying words, it has a tone and intonation, a sound to it that can change in a flash, uh, it's as moody as anything one moment and it can be you know, uproarious in the next moment or really goofy or facile another moment. Uh, he's got quite a range and I, I find his voice to be spectacular and the combination of those things together with the Desner Brothers who are just a fantastic uh, pair of guitarists uh, make this I think one of the coolest bands you'll ever listen to hmm.
0: I have to admit that I didn't really know very much about The National and when you messaged me that they were going to be one of the bands you wanted to talk about uh, I, I, I raced to, to Wikipedia <laughs> and, uh-huh. r- and raced to YouTube and I, you know I think there are probably one one or two songs on the periphery that I I remember hearing, but it, they certainly weren't uh, solidly in my view. Um, and I uh, so I, I listened to Boxer today, uh, which I think is an extraordinary album, um, and uh, I've become a new fan thanks to you. Um, but I read the the Wikipedia page, and they're described as indie rock, alt rock, post punk, but. I didn't get that from Boxer. I got a rootsy, kind of mm, slightly Americana ish feel. Is that just this record or is that just my
1: interpretation? Oh, I think that's that feel is on this record uh, for sure. It, it's certainly in there in a lot of the songs, which are kind of mellower uh, a little bit. But there's also that sort of broodiness uh, that's involved here. You know, and I'm thinking of you know to the tune of New Order and and Joy Division that that sort of sound, the Manchester sound or whatever. There's that kind of um, almost depression, really, and in, in, involved in some of their music. I think that's there as well. But yeah, and and I I hesitate to repeat. No, I don't hesitate to repeat. Actually, the Desner Brothers, their influence on this record because they're two they're two fantastic artists. Uh, they've got their fingers in all kinds of things as well. Uh, I mean, Aaron Dester produced Taylor Swift's late, latest record, for example, and they, they, were, they did one of the Red Hot and uh, Blue uh, fundraising albums, uh, Dark Was the Night. So it, it's just an incredible combination of artists together. Um, I, I think it's... I think each one of them brings to bear something special, and when they're together, it's pretty amazing and and yeah, it's hard to put a label on them, uh, Bernard like whatever you want to call it uh, you know it, th- those typical labels of indie rock or mm-hmm. um, what what not what have you um it's just to me, it's really textured music, um, both sonically and lyrically. And everyone knows that Berninger's lyrics are hard to interpret at the best of times, but they're still pretty interesting. And, and Boxer, uh, Boxer sounds like a pretty morose album when you l- listen to the lyrics. <laughs> but you know what's interesting, a factoid about it. And um, I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting so, uh, things about the record, but um, the, the first track, Fake Empire, uh, it was used in a campaign ad for Barack Obama uh, oh. when he was running for election for the first time. And in really? fact, the, the, the evening, I was sitting almost at this very spot when he won. And they actually played that in Chicago when, uh, when at, at the uh, gathering when they were celebrating his victory. Wow. Um, and if you listen to that whole tune, I still get goosebumps at the end when the horns come in at the very end. You don't, you don't expect them, right? Yeah. You, you think of horns in a, in a song, in a modern song, to be uh, central, but they come in almost as an afterthought, right. and it just it freaks me out every time. That's cool. That's cool to be able to think about that.
0: Yeah. A really gorgeous song, and one of the things that I think has surfaced uh, so far in the, some of the conversations I've had for this uh, series is um, that uh, in order to... I guess one uh, one uh, is given the term "cool" uh, based on innovation, uh, based on unconventionality, uh, really sort of taking steps to go beyond the norm and and do something new. And these guys certainly do.
1: I think so. Yeah, and uh you know some people have called this record a bit of a sleeper album uh it, t- it i think it does take some time to grow on you a little bit mm. uh there, like the middle part of the album i found when i, I remember first listening to it it, it, it sounded very similar mm. uh but this one it pays rewards if you if you pay attention to it and listen more closely and that's where the drum starts coming out that's where you know burninger's voice starts coming out and the combination as i said of all of them is supreme i think it's 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 sublime in fact uh it's still one of my favorite go-to records i listen to it all the time and it's right. what was it uh um 2007 i think it was yeah. released yeah it's up there
0: yeah no i mean even on first listen i was quite entranced so i'm i'm looking forward to peeling back the layers as i listen to more of it you know
1: and i dare say the band's become cooler over time <laughs> <because> <laughs> that's a really great albums afterwards um uh, so I, I, if you like it, if you like that nuance and texture, Uh, I highly recommend their whole catalog. Uh, I think they they haven't stopped since Boxer. Yeah,
0: I did listen to a little bit of the latest one, and I was actually quite impressed by the number of artists that they're collaborating with on the latest one, including uh, a person who happens to be a Facebook friend of mine, Gail Ann Dorsey, who is David Bowie's former bass player and uh, backup vocalist. Uh, And I remember actually probably about a year and a half, a year and a half ago, two years ago, her talking about working on that with them and her being really excited about it so
1: wow um, and that's cool too bernard right i mean this is a band that doesn't rest on its laurels uh, okay. they they connect with a lot of other different artists uh and then you know bergenger just released his own solo record uh, okay. a couple months ago um so yeah they, they their reach is far and wide uh, yeah. i think they're a real treasure and i i was actually supposed to see them in in cincinnati this past spring They had a homecoming, uh, four-day homecoming event, um, uh, like a like a basically a a a festival that featured their music, of course, and some other artists, including Patty Smith. But it was canceled, needless to say. But yeah, I think I think they're cool. Yeah. So uh, let me take you back to the first time you
0: heard them. Do you remember what it was you heard? What the circumstances were, and what was it that captured your attention?
1: I could I can actually Bernard I remember the exact moment it was uh, uh, it was something that was on my radar uh, probably from a magazine I subscribed to still called under the radar magazine fantastic magazine um, and I, I the gift it was given to me as a gift for Father's Day that year and I remember turning up and turning on loudly it was a beautiful day I was sitting outside uh, in the sunshine and uh, just being absorbed. By the album and that first track, Fake Empire, uh, blew me away. Like literally blew me away. And then just sort of being drawn into it. It's it's not a it's not a record that you listen to while you're washing the dishes. You know you know what I mean. It's, right. And it's not one that you listen to driving in the car. You have to jump into it. Right. uh And I and I found myself wanting to do that for the whole of the album. So mm. it's it's really brought me back. Uh, thanks for the question because I, I can I could literally remember that and. Um, As I said, I go to it today. I went out for a long walk and I had it on and I just thought, Oh my goodness. Wow. I forgot how much I love this song. Right. Mistaken for strangers. You know, that was the song I least liked on the record. And I thought, this is actually a really good song. It's, it's not, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's very visceral and I'm sure people hate it, but for me, it was a pretty instantaneous uh, love in. It sort of
0: reminds me, your experience sort of reminds me of when I first heard Berlin, and this was uh, Lou Reed's Berlin, and this Mm -hmm. was back in the, um, uh, probably uh, one or two years after it was released, so it would have been mid-70s, and I just, I remember being enveloped. Uh, in the album. It just kind of sucked me in. And I I wanted to hang even though so much of it is painful to hear because he's talking about some really troubling uh, subject matter. um, I didn't want to leave. I wanted to hear
1: you know, yeah. all the way through. So, um, well, and yeah, and when you when you delve in deep to the lyrics, even though they're they're in some cases not quite understandable, uh, they are they are pretty sad. Uh, I think that's Berninger's trait is is to write sad lyrics. But mm-hmm. there's a quite a, like there's a there's a section of songs: uh, "Slow Show," "Apartment Story," and "Start a War." They're the, they're the sort of the centerpiece of the record, and I, I I read them as being related to some very serious relationship problems. How do you deal with it? the angst that goes along with that, etc. Um Yeah, it's not it's not a happy-go-lucky section of the record for sure.
0: Just you know, as you say that, it occurs to me, I wonder how much of our own personal experience is tied into our connection with an artist and how much we revere them and consider them cool. Is there a connection between what, you know, either sonically or in, in terms of lyrical content, um what they're talking about, what they're expressing, and
1: what we have felt in our own lives. I think that I think that plays a huge role, Bernard. Um, I, I don't. There's no such thing as a coolometer, right? Right. Um, <laughs> uh, unlike a kilometer, which is pronounced kilometer, not kilometer, but that's another issue altogether. Um, and, and yeah, in the moment, I'm sure you're you're influenced by how you feel and what's going on in your head or your life, etc. But what makes it really cool, if you want to use a different standard, I think, is is the fact that you feel compelled to go back. Uh, e- even when whatever the circumstances of your life were that may have drawn you to the record, you still go back. Uh, maybe it's to revisit that time. Maybe it's to rethink it. Maybe it's just to reminisce. could be any number of reasons, but it, it, that staying power, I think, is something important about cool because we're not, I don't think, I don't know about you, but cool is not a trend like it's not something a new not something that's a flash in the pan mm-hmm. you know miles davis was cool um you know beethoven was cool i mean you can go through history and find artists that are long uh, lasting enduring and mm-hmm. they're cool for a reason that's because people keep coming back to them i think mm-hmm. um <sighs>
0: You cited this one in in your your message to me, you cited this one as a boxer specifically, as the album. And what separates it from because they're there're no slouches. I mean, they've what they've done, uh, they've recorded seven albums, one, two, three four, five, six, seven, seven, eight, nine albums. Mm-hmm. But what, and this is uh, an album that's 13 years old. So yeah. what is it about that album, which is kind of in the middle of the pack too, that was what their fourth album. Yeah. Um, what separates that from the work prior and the work uh, afterward?
1: That's a really hard question to answer uh, because a lot of the work afterward uh, is also very rich. There's, there's a lot in all of that work. But, uh, you know, to, to, to put on my critic hat, uh, I think in some ways the National became, you know, sort of the darlings of the And scene. And, and I, I, I personally, I find that a lot of, even though I love their later records, uh, especially uh, Sleep Well Beast is one, another one of my favorites, but, but I, it almost feels like they're reaching you know, that they're, they're they're trying to achieve something as opposed to just letting it happen. And I think that's what happened with Boxer. They, they were not um, all that successful. Alligator is a very good album, but it wasn't terribly well-known. Um, I think it's grown in, in popularity and in critical acclaim, but this was the one that put them on the map. This is the one that got them, you know, the high rating and with Pitchfork and, and right. you know, a lot of other top lists for the year. Um, I still think it's one of the top albums of that of that decade um, so I, I, it's hard to come down from that i guess is what I'm saying so th- that's what distinguishes it it's a band that's that was really crying for something like they they were they they weren't um they didn't need to do anything they were kind of desperate to do something great i think and they did that uh, and they did that pretty easily i think
0: um, am I mistaken in, in i'm i hope I didn't misread this but uh, as much as Boxer was lauded, uh, they didn't really get any Grammy uh, notice until the second last, uh, the second last album.
1: That's so, right. That's uh, Sleep Well Beast. Yeah.
0: Right. So I wonder what caught uh, people's attention with that that didn't
1: with Boxer. Um, I think you know. In, in, in some ways, Boxer was a product of the political times, I think. certainly fake mm-hmm. Empire is an allusion to the politics that were happening right. happening at that time. And I, I think you know troubled political times yield really great music. And I suspect that was part of it with Sleekwell Beast as well being released in 2017 and, and we all know what we're talking about. Um, you know, whether, you know, the illusion in the title, what is that related to? Uh, I, I'm not sure, but I, I think it was troubled times all around. Right. Um, I think, you know, Berniger is, is an interesting character for a lot of reasons. If you've seen the band perform and I have, uh, uh several times uh, once in a very, very, you know, tiny club in Montreal, actually, it was wonderful, but, uh, Berninger is a, is a troubled character and, and, I think, um, I, I suspect, and this is me speculating, but I suspect he was in, a, in an interesting time, I'll we'll put it that way, in his life, and that created the the magnificence of, of Sleep Well Beast. Um, right. I have it on vinyl, too. I guess that, that's sort of an influence, too, that, that it, it, it conveys a different mood, I think, when you listen to it that way. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's another dark one. And in a way, it's kind of a return to some of the themes, I think, that, that we saw. For the first time on on boxer, although those themes are always there with everything. Is it just
0: uh, as you mentioned vinyl? Isn't it interesting that uh, our circumstances change uh, or our mindset changes when we listen to something on vinyl? Uh, as opposed to listening to something on CD. When I, it's like for me, putting on vinyl is like an event and I want to, I want to embrace the entire event and I, I don't want anything to interrupt me. Whereas if a CD is going, you know, life goes on and phone rings and, you know, supper's being made, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's like a, it's like a rite, you know, whether you want to characterize it as a religious rite or a meditative process, mm-hmm. uh, there is a ritual involved. Uh, and I, it, it's, I mean, maybe meditation is the best uh, uh, analogy. You know, it involves certain processes, some of which are repetitive, but they put your whole body in the mood. And that includes, you know, that includes your physical posture, right? It it puts your body into it, includes the placement of your hands, etc. And it's the same thing, I think, with with vinyl records. Um, And I think, I, I mean, you and I, I think, are of a generation where uh, you know, I can remember putting Bono records on when I was five or six years old. So it's, it's second nature and, and the sole purpose in doing it then the only purpose was to actually deeply listen to the music. It, right. it wasn't, you know, at a, 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 you know, a cocktail party or it wasn't because, you know, we're getting dinner ready or whatever. Right. I, and I think that's, that's stuck with me personally. Um, yeah. that, that sort of hint about what's, what's to come. One more question
0: about, uh, about the National before we move on to your next pick and and it might be the connective tissue between the two is um, one of the things that's cropped up in discussion about what's cool is um, the visual element that, uh, you know, when you think about Bowie or Iggy or Roxy Music, uh, people like that, that so much of the coolness is tied into the presentation, not just the music. Now, the National seems to be, a, again, I haven't seen them live and only know of them briefly here, but it doesn't seem like they are that committed or concerned about the, the visual presentation, that it's all about the music. It's the recording and the writing and
1: as opposed to the presentation is that correct i think that's fair to say yeah bernard i think it is i i think i mean if you look at the the packaging for boxer it's pretty straightforward and the you know the cover photo is the band playing uh, on a stage right it, it's it's very simple um the font is you that's used is pretty simple and basic so it, it, in a way there's a message there listen to the music please um okay. As they're as they're as they have developed though, their they're certainly their packaging gets more elaborate and, and interesting um over time. I can think of just off the top of my head some of the album covers that look kind of cool, so to speak. Right. Um but but seeing them live, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean they they'll still have all of the you know the the quality production values, visual production values that a band of that stature have these days, uh, with a nice stage and some decent lights, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you know they could be wearing a t-shirt and jeans or they could be right. whatever they could have a ball cap on who knows it's just we're going to play some very very good music music for you right um, right. Yeah.
0: um as opposed to <laughs> um what i think might be your 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 next artist uh, right. which is sonic youth and uh, if I may be so bold, may be so bold to jump in on them. Um, mm. You see them on in a live performance. and I, in fact, I watched the, their very first David Letterman performance today uh, again. And uh, they're all over the map. They're jumping and they're, they're smashing their instruments and they're uh, stage diving,'re <laughs> running into equipment, etc. So there was a very, significant visual element and there's a lot of energy on stage when they play so tell me a little bit about your connection with sonic youth and uh, what drew you to them
1: so sonic youth uh, i i i can't recall whether i had like literally heard them i probably had but i wasn't really attracted to them necessarily until daydream nation and, and that's really the focus of my commentary here. And I don't even remember Bernard whether I listened to that record when it first came out, or, or whether, just in, in reading, you know, as as music writing has become more popular, there are more books, uh, as we know you and I know. <laughs> um, it, it, it became obvious that it's a pretty seminal record. Uh, and I, you know, I, I re-listened to it today as well, and that uh, start, that first track. Um, teenage riot you, you I mean you you see the band's name Sonic youth you hear teenage riot I, I, initially I think well that it sounds kind of corny and this is going to be I don't know it's gonna be bubblegum or whatever right <laughs> and uh, they come in with that sort of moaning um, yeah. almost ephemeral surreal you know spirit desire stuff and you don't know where it's going and then the guitars get hit, hit in and then that's where you visualize them on stage it's like a juggernaut just breaking through um and and that's what they did with this record. I think they broke through so many so many barriers. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's interesting to look at the 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 you know the ways in which the band has been described or categorized, whether it's alternative or indie. Which, uh, frankly, Bernard, I, I think we should throw those two t- 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 <laughs> yeah of music commentary goes now. They're they're useless. Uh, but even art rock or avant rock or post rock or post punk or or art punk, all that stuff. It was that and more. You know. <laughs>
0: You know what, I because I, I was so f- again, full disclosure. Um, I had not listened to, to Daydream Nation until today. Ah, all right. I so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was you know, I was aware of uh, you know, goo, you know, cool thing, of course, and uh, bull in the heather and that sort of thing, but I hadn't heard Daydream Nation, so I, I. I put it on and once again, I was completely captivated. Um, You know, the the moniker they gave them, I think Noise Rock comes close, but... i think you know listening to it it dawned on me that they should really be called noise prog
1: <laughs>
0: because i, like and, I mean that. they really do jump in uh and get involved in that sonic landscape and expand it as much as they possibly can the same way yes would
1: have or genesis would have but just yeah. in their own way you know yeah well that's right bernard and and it, what, what's I mean, a couple of interesting things about the band generally in that album is is exactly that. And then, you know, you could be hearing something that's going to be really caustic for most people. They're, just, they're going to say, I hate this. This is just noise. Uh, but when you listen to it closely, I mean, people said that about jazz, right? Or right. Or, or bebop, for example. Now you hear bebop when, right. you know, you're waiting for your pizza to be cooked. <laughs> uh, but back then it was pretty radical. Same yeah. with this. And But what I find is how often the the song shift gears. And then you can have this wonderfully melodic part You know, you you think you just turn on an AM radio station and then bang you're into something else. Um, But it's all part of a a cohesive approach to music, which is that music is a bunch of sounds that we put together and make lovely. Uh, And I, I think Sonic Youth does that in a way that few other bands can do. Um, and the noise part, I mean, they're, they're renowned for their alternative tunings of their guitars. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the images I have of Sonic Youth playing live is this, this bank of guitars, right? Most of which are prepared to be abused for the rest of the evening. Um, (laughs) but a couple of other, another cool thing about the band that's, I think is very cool Bernard is the central role that Kim Gordon plays, you know, um, she, as a, as a female in, in rock and roll generally, in modern rock and roll and in alternative rock and roll, frankly, a particularly guitar-based rock and roll, mm-hmm. I mean, her, her having a prominent role in 1988 in, in a band is pretty significant. I think for sure, and and her role was and always will be prominent. Uh, her contributions are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a she's a seminal artist in her own right, um, and, and and she d- drives the band as much as any other member, and 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 they all uh, accepted that and knew that. Um, but the bands, I mean, the band could be considered a jazz band by some people, you know, with the, right. some of the, you know, Bronca's influence, a whole host of other influences there. Um, the other thing that's really cool though about the record, I mentioned earlier in talking to about Boxer and some of the political context, well, same with this album. Daydream Nation is a direct reference, in my opinion, to the Reagan administration, to, to, you know, where the country was, the United States was at that time, a daydream nation, so to some extent it was it was a call to arms. And the album features a a brilliant uh, artistic image on the cover, the the, the painting that's called, um, I think it's just called Candle, by the German artist uh, Gerhard Richter, um, it's very simple, but it's 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 a light, right? It's a light. It's sort of a, right. a it's a beacon of hope, and and you don't expect that in some of the music because it's so harsh at times. Right. But I think what the band is trying to tell you is that out of this harshness is is really great beauty. We just have to find it. You know, we have to get out of our danger. and that's all pretty cool. I think you know it's more than just music. There's a there's a really introspective element to that recording.
0: Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned. Or touched on earlier that uh, some people, you know, would um, be somewhat repelled by the music because it may come across as simply noise, Um, but and there is such beauty in in what they create. Uh, Had you ever? And I think back to um, the early mid nineteen seventies when I first discovered Bowie, and I, you know, how how as teens do you discover music and you want to introduce it to all your pals and i remember some of the looks i got from people <laughs> <laughs> introducing this uh, rather feminine looking fellow in glitz and glam uh who had you know not you know only a few years before uh suggested that perhaps he was bisexual and that just freaked everybody out so i sure. uh, there was a lot of backlash that i got as a teen for listening to that similarly with sonic youth did you ever introduce it to somebody who just who didn't get it
1: or uh, probably anybody that i played it for uh Bernard. <laughs> um, I, in fact I, I probably reached the point where I, I you know unless i pissed somebody off I, I i wouldn't play like i i can think of some people in my life where i just wouldn't put it on like it, it, it would just be uh, painful to them I think <laughs> um, on the other hand you know I, I know people who love the band and uh, it, it's funny I know people who saw them uh, that I, I only knew later saw them at the same show I saw them at which was, was at the old Capitol Music Hall here in I think it was like 2004 uh, uh-huh. they played there and, and so there are lots of people who admire admire the band but um, I, 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 unless you're prepared for what you're about to hear you're going to be likely be turned off you know if you're, if you're if you're if you've got an open ear and an open mind and, and you accept that you're going to hear something that's very very striking, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it discordant and that really gets under your skin, mm-hmm. uh, which frankly is what all great art really does and does well. And, and, and this album I think uh, sort of epitomizes that. The band's gone on and made tons of other records. I know Bernard, you mentioned that you've you, you know you you're familiar with some of them. Um, but this one still holds a really, really positive space in my brain and heart, for sure. It was a real eye opener for me to listen to it today. To be
0: honest with you, David, I was uh, I was d- delighted and enthused, and uh, I, you know, now have this great need to want to explore the entire back catalog and uh, uh, really get to know know them a lot better. Um, it's funny you say um, you talk about. people being turned off. I remember the first time, um, or a friend of mine back in the 80s, uh, who's now a... Owns a uh, music synchronization house in Toronto, but he started out by promoting bands. And the, one of the first bands he brought to Toronto was the Lounge Lizards, and huh. uh, um, uh, there were, you know, there were there was a small core group of people who loved Lounge Lizards and were there um, uh, to enjoy what they knew and loved. And there was a whole group of people that went because they, it was Jody's thing, and they wanted to support him and. Pretty much walked out after about the first five minutes. Really? Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> really unfortunate. They a brilliant band and great musicians, but just again, if you're not familiar with that kind of music and uh, it's your first uh, you know, the first instance of, of experiencing it, uh, it could be uh, it could turn you off. I wanted to go back for a second to uh, talking about uh, what I brought up earlier in terms of uh, image being. Part of that cool factor for some bands, clearly not the National, as we talked about, but uh, certainly for others. And I think probably for, uh, to a g- great extent uh, for Sonic Youth because their their visual presentation is very dramatic. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, would they be as cool if they just played their instruments like the
1: National did? Huh. I-, I think so. Bernard, and I, the only reason I say that is is because uh, I fell in love with the band long before I saw them perform, whether in li- like live or in a video. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I thought that uh, you know I really liked their music, but but you're right, the the presentation, and it's not necessarily a, a, a visual presentation even. It's more uh, a physical. Yeah. you know presentation uh, the intensity is unreal the movement is is unbelievable it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's scattered uh, but at the same time like you know a lot of people when they listen to music that's kind of harsh it, it, it's 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 actually harder to listen to right it's harder to break down and understand it but once you if you go past that and let's do it closely and then if you watch them play you, you realize it's not like they're just goofing around right they're not just no. smashing guitars against the wall they're actually playing and playing well
0: there's an intensity there that's born out of the passion which reminds me a lot of henry rollins and
1: iggy pop you uh, know, i wonder how much they may have drawn from them uh, oh certainly yeah. yeah for sure i mean they 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 had a, a i think a very genuine fondness uh, for for that kind of scene particularly you know coming out of you know a lot of the music that that influenced them came out of the i guess you call it the no wave Movement in, in New York City, which was uh, right. sort of a reaction to New Wave. Right. Um, you know, rather than having these great songs but a different style with you know better melodies, et cetera, they had this harsher approach. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's not surprising that that you draw an analogy to that. And you know, the, the Sonic apparently was taken from. Fred Smith, you know, Patty Smith oh, uh, nice. right. yeah, from an MC5. That, that was where that came from. Right. Um, the other thing, and, and again, you know, as I mentioned with the National, just in terms of being cool with the National, one of the things that I mentioned was how their members are involved in a lot of projects. And, and you mentioned that as well. Mm-hmm. uh same with sonic youth i mean they, they they've gone on to do lots of different projects um and what's really interesting is in 1992 they, they put out this documentary called um it's called it's 1991 the year punk broke and it was um it related to a european tour that they did uh i have it on vhs believe it or not <laughs> um but they they um they also highlight a bunch of other bands So check out these names nirvana oh wow. dinosaur junior wow. babes in toyland yeah uh etc i mean <laughs> some really key players in the sort of the grunge uh yeah. underground scene that later became you know very adored right. uh they were they were part of their their crew at, at that time so not only did they play good music they knew good music yeah
0: yeah uh, something i talked about with uh, rob Proust from the spoons uh the other day was um that um, you know you had mentioned uh, out of the on the outset uh, that. Uh Real cool is something that is uh, is part and parcel, and it never goes away. Although, I mean, I there, think there's some uh, circumstances where we can see where cool may wane a little bit. For example, uh, you know, mid-career uh, for David Bowie in the '80s when he started pandering in a very Phil Collins way to uh, um, a larger group <laughs> of people who perhaps wow. weren't his original fans. Uh, that there, he lost some cool, and then f- thankfully uh, he gained it back. But does Po- increase in popularity
1: diminish one's cool. Do you think? Hmm. I don't know, Bernarda. Uh, I think you know. I think the way I would put it is that there's a risk because mm. uh, it begs the question. Well, why is there an increase in popularity? Is there an increase because people have discovered this band? They've they've realized how significant it is, how valuable it is, and and they've come to like it. Or is it because they've changed their music to appeal to a wider audience? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not necessarily bad, but you know, some of the elements that made them cool in the first place might be compromised if, if that's the goal. Uh, I don't believe Sonic Youth ever, you know, ever reached that point. I, I think, I think their their later their later catalog is 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 less noisy, I guess I would say. Um, but I, I think the, I don't think that was pandering. I think it's just more mature in in a lot of ways. Um, and just, you know, the band just sort of moved in a different direction, but I, I, I imagine that if they were doing a show tonight, they'd still pay, p- play a Teenage Riot. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, interesting point, then, uh, because perhaps if one sticks to your uh, uh, sticks to th- their guns in terms of uh, maintaining that original vision, that perhaps it's less likely that they will uh, phase out of cool and maintain that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, let's jump into your final uh, your final pick.
1: Yeah, my final pick, and I, I you know, frankly, I would probably be ashamed if I didn't name this band in, in any kind of top musical list, because <laughs> <laughs> they are. I, I don't like favorites that much, Bernard. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily like top lists um, because I think they vary. But but, if there were one for me, the Clash would be in in the top region, anytime, every time. I think. Um, and again a lot of the elements that I've already touched on uh in terms of both the national and sonic youth are clearly present with the clash and they're present from the get go with their debut record the clash mm-hmm. um you know there's a passion involved uh they were of course a punk band they were sort of came on the seal on the heels of the sex pistols but a far more a political and erudite band in my opinion and a far more uh aware band um, mm. and what's really interesting well, well many of the interesting things is, is just the fact that that first album you know had some fairly uh, you know obvious uh, punk scorchers uh, but also you know gave hints of how the band and particularly Joe Strummer would evolve over the time right there was the cover of Police and Thieves uh, reggae song um, there's White Man and Hammersmith Palais mm which is a, a very, you know, brilliant, uh, political commentary, social commentary in it. Um, of course, uh, songs like career opportunities. Uh, I'm so bored with the USA. I mean, the, the whole record is jammed with features that just beg one to say, Oh, wow, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting when I, I, I have it still on the, on vinyl, which I would have purchased from Terry at the sound shop in Wallaceburg, Ontario. <laughs> and, um, I'd still pull that same record out and listen to it. And, and the production's not the best uh, when you re-listen to it, but the songs are still just as raw and interesting as they were then. Um, yeah. And, you know, as we all know, the band went on to create a lot of other great music over time. And, and in fact, while this first album is not necessarily um, considered their their best, it, it's certainly important for me. But, you know, an album like London Calling is r- routinely regarded as one of the best records ever. Of yeah. any genre at any time any place yeah. uh, the, you know this is a Bernard this is a very crucial banner i'm I'm not suggesting that critical acclaim or popularity among music critics is a is a criteria or criterion for for being cool um, I think in in many ways in in their case it's the result of being cool you know yeah. and, and uh, uh, you know I, I I can, Bernard, I, I can still, I, I can still picture where I was, what I was doing and how I felt when I found out that Joe Strummer died. Um, yeah. And it that had that sort of emotional impact on me. Yeah. We're coming up on an anniversary soon, in fact. Um, so yeah, br- really, I think really cool what they did. And then, you know, later in their, in their career expanding. And then when Joe went on solo and he had the Mescaleros uh, doing all kinds of interesting work, he got into dub, um, and his, the you know the the Streetcore record, which is the last record that he put out, uh, was released posthumously. It's just a fantastic album; it has so many good songs on it. Um, yeah, um, I was a
0: huge fan of the Clash. I mean, I. I grew up on British punk and, you know, they, uh, I, I, guess the clash, like uh, a myriad of British bands were born out of, um, seeing that, that very, one of those first sex pistol shows. I mean, everybody says they were at this that first sex pistol show and they started a band and that band became famous and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I, so I loved them and I think it was around the time of Sandinista. They start they came up with the moniker, we're the only band that matters. And honestly, that turned me off. Uh I stopped listening to them because I thought, what pompous dicks, you know, Uh I mean, if you are great, but you know, (laughs) don't be spouting off like that. (laughs) But it really turned me up. I since changed my mind and I love them, of course. But uh, I wonder how many people that uh,
1: felt the same. well and uh, that's an interesting comment bernard because i I, i'm familiar with the phrase and i i just i don't know what the origin was uh, whether it came from the band or or came from their manager or was it from a critic i I, i'm not sure do you my sense was it came from the
0: band but it could have been a marketing tool who knows
1: yeah i mean i i don't think they disavowed themselves uh, of the the label for sure right um but yeah i i agree with that uh, bernard i mean if you're really that cool, why why do you need to you know um, hang yourself on a on a label like that or, or right. put a label on yourself like that or, or commentary? Right. Um, on the other hand, it's true. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, how much
1: of what we
0: what we perceive is cool can be altered by what our our friends think? Mm. Did you ever were you ever persuaded to think differently of a band because of of the the overall sense
1: of what you know your pals thought? Mm. That's a really good question. I'd have to think long and hard about that. I, I I'm not sure if I ever have thought, you know, less of a band because of what my friends thought. I I, I think if that situation presented itself, I would just say, well, screw you, you know? Right. Um, I do believe that I have sometimes thought poorly of styles of music or types of music, Mm -hmm. um, perhaps in part because of what other people were saying or thinking about it, which I've, I, I regretted and, and grew to realize I, I you know, there's a significant portion of my life where I should have been listening to that music. Hmm. Um, country music. And a good example, I, I can remember saying to people, I like all kinds of music except country music. Um, I said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And that's, a, it's an absolutely ridiculous and frankly embarrassing thing to admit to say. Indeed. Um, country music is some of the punkiest music ever. Yeah. And you know what I find really interesting, Bernard, too, is, is the number of uh, you know, hardcore you know, punk bands, punk artists uh, are, who have shifted gears into country-style music or folk yeah. music. It's, it seems to be a natural progression. It's true. Uh, uh, so I, I think that's happened to me. I think we're all, you know, that's going to happen to a lot of people. I'll give you another example. Justin Bieber. Um, I was just one of those people who thought, well, this guy's an idiot. Like whatever, he plays top 40 music and it's on the radio, but I don't care for that stuff. And then I remember watching the documentary about him. I don't know, mm-hmm. about 10 years ago. <coughs> I was really impressed. He's talented. He's he very is. good. He's very talented. And there are a number of other artists like that, mm-hmm. um, that I didn't give enough attention to. And, and I, I, I've come to realize that it really, you know, we talked earlier about them being popular. hmm right and and whether that's uh, affects their cool factor well in, in a way you have to be careful of the reverse right if assuming somebody can't be cool because they're so popular right th- that that's dangerous too and i know i've yeah. been the victim of that kind of mentality before
0: i, I have to admit i'm still struggling with kanye though <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's another discussion entirely <laughs> indeed um, it is <laughs> so uh, maybe the true testament of the uh, true test of what is cool is uh, it's, uh, durability. It's, uh, it's, uh, longevity. Uh, 50 years from now, will people be looking back and saying that Joe Strummer
1: or that band, The Clash? Now that's cool. I think so, Bernard, but I, I only say so because I, I, I believe it. Um, you know what I, 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 I said. I mentioned Miles Davis before, and I also mentioned Beethoven before, and, yeah. and it's been a long time. Obviously, in the case of Beethoven, but even with Miles Davis, it's been a long time since he released music, and they're still cool. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say there's something about these folks yeah. that is timeless. Yeah. Uh, obviously, our times are going to change, but you know what? It's also interesting to see influence, right? To see yeah. modern artists. You know, when you think about you know modern noise rock bands yeah. uh, that have still have an eloquent melodic component to it. Well, you have to, you know, you can't not think of Sonic Youth, right? Right. And uh, there's, a, there's no, I mean, I don't know how how long the list would be of bands who have been affected or influenced by the National. And same with the Clash, you know, that that ability to meld different styles, different political attitudes, etc. Uh, the influence is, is long reaching. Um, one of the interesting things too, Bernard, about these three, and I didn't even think about this until now because you asked the question earlier about seeing uh, a band live, like seeing their 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 actual Appearance is—I've seen all three of these bands, you know, live before, and I wonder myself whether um, they would not be here if I hadn't seen them live. If because I think the live uh. performance of, of a piece of art is essential to understanding it, and uh, if you don't see it live, you know, you may not quite get it. So, um, mm. you know, it's good just point. a thought that it came up.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good point. Um, I want to get to um, uh, my last little bit here, which is a bit of a game I call Cool, Not Cool, where I'm going to list a series of 10 or 12 bands and you get to choose whether they're cool or not. Okay. (laughs) Before we get to that. (laughs) um, One one last question just on the topic of cool. How important is it for a new, a young band to be thinking about the cool factor Mm -hmm. as they're kind of carving out their niche?
1: wow you know it's interesting you ask that question i just shared on social media a list of uh, from rough trade records you know rough trade it's i a, saw and, that li- yeah. i saw this post yes okay so and and so they've selected you know and i can't remember if it was 20 or 25 or 30 but the, you know the, some of the best debut records and they're yeah. all really amazingly cool yeah um and i don't think any one of those bands was thinking that way i think they were just out to make music Right, and um, I, I'm I'm concerned that if a band is too formulaic or is formulaic at all, um, they lose something in the essence of their music, and they, they frankly they lose something of of themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it, 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 cool music I think can only be genuine music, and right. if you if you're trying to imitate or attain some other ideal. Uh, I don't think it's genuine, so I, I'd say, yeah, you, you just have to make your music, and yeah. uh, and and you know, it can be just cool to you. It can be cool to the five people that see you in the in the concert, you know. Uh, right. But that's enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. I, I, I think um, you know what I've come to so far, just in in this little uh, uh, process of discovery, is that it's all down to authenticity, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Or
0: every artist I've t- talked about uh, in this little series so far has been someone who's truly authentic and yeah. is not really willing to change for the sake of notoriety or popularity or what have you, except, for,
1: cool. except for a couple of years in David Bowie's career. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think everybody, I'm sure, well, I don't, I don't know if there's a pure artist in that sense, Bernard, I, I'm, I'm sure there are, you can probably find examples in most cases, um, but yeah, I think that's a really great way to put it for sure, yeah.
0: All right, so we're going to jump into uh, our, this final little segment here. It's called Cool Not Cool. I'm just going to shout out a couple of names, and you, you let me know whether you think they're cool or not, and if you've got a little bit of a follow-up, please go ahead. All right. First, first one is Little Richard. Cool. Yeah. Energy, uh, appearance, everything. Groundbreaking. Yeah. He he Yeah, he was the whole package, really. Um, uh, and
1: another one, Cab Calloway. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm going to say cool. <laughs> I, I I have a vague uh, sense of Cap Calloway's music. My but my sense is that it's. Um, I think it was pretty groundbreaking, wasn't it? The sort of yeah. very
0: much so. Very.
1: Yeah, much yeah. So. I, I gotta say, cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I
0: think about some of the uh, the old films I've seen of him in performance, and yeah. he was a
1: rock star, like through yeah. and through, right? Yeah. Um, the Ramones. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say not cool. Bernard. Why? Why? Uh, even though, even though I, I don't dislike the Ramones, I I think um, I, I think they're kind of formulaic. I'm going to put it that way. Uh, yeah. Well, you you wouldn't be
0: wrong. I don't know if that uh, means they're not cool in my estimation. Um, I'm a little bit biased because I got to meet Joey. Uh, Uh, many many years ago and it was only for 10-15 minutes to chat and have a beer but uh, he was cool through and through to me and i loved the band i mean i was again i was in in my punk phase and i was listening to everything that uh, had grit to it and uh, um, i thought they were incredible but anyways elvis elvis presley elvis is cool yeah yeah no doubt um now again he said like like bowie and again i have to remind you that i love david bowie he is my 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 all-time fave uh but i i won't lie there was a period where i didn't think he was very cool similarly elvis in his uh in his filmic phase to in my estimation really lost a lot of cool because he overexposed himself and he was a character became a character of himself
1: yeah and there's that genuine aspect right that you talked about that authenticity that i think he lost uh for sure and and, i mean i'm sure there are sociologists still talking about that how he was influenced and and what his his personal situation was etc yeah Uh, but yeah i agree with that but just generally you think about uh, his early career and, and what he did to bridge the gap between country and and rock, and then between black and white, uh, r- really really important artist. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Billie Eilish, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, uh, that talking about that uh, aspect of time. The more she becomes popular, will she remain cool?
1: Yeah. And that's a, that's a risk too, especially when you're early in your career, right? I, right. I'm sure there, are, you know, I, I don't want to be too cynical here, but there are probably lots of sharks, you know, I mean, music business as it is these days, if, if you've got a moneymaker, you want to use it. Um, but I, my, my sense of, of her and her music is that she'll resist that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm hoping, I'm hoping, uh, Hoople.
1: Oh, you know the answer to this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very cool.
1: And Ian uh, what he's what 81 now. Still oh my cool. <laughs> yeah. Um well, I mean you and I both you know that we both love uh the band and and, yeah. and you know, where it went. But you know there's an underrated band uh, oh, for, sure. for sure and an influential band oh. um so uh yeah, cool uh, for forever. Yeah. 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 Uh Blondie. Blondie Cool, yeah. Um, yeah, I think back, you know, everyone. I, I, I subscribe to one of these things on, on social media and it's it, it always sending me back. It's it's this era from 1977 to 87, it plays videos and, and mm-hmm. fairly often these Blondie uh, cuts come up, these performances. One was called Union Blue, or Blue Union, or Union Blue lately, what's the song called? Anyway, I hadn't heard about it before. It was a spectacular I thought, oh my goodness, like you could have written this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so good. So, yeah, cool. I mean, uh, image, uh, songwriting, a uh, style, um, the whole Schmago, you know, it was cool, I think, about them, for sure.
0: How much does, and again, you know, uh, considering uh, both you and I are uh, fully invested in reading many autobiographies or many biographies on, on music folks, uh, including Debbie Harry. Thank you so much for the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get it back to you as soon as I can. Um How much of pulling back the curtain and unveiling uh, an artist's true character changes or alters our opinion of that artist? Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a hard question. Hey, like I just think about that in, in, in your own life or in the life of people you observe. You know, so many people will change their attitude about others. Uh, based upon learning something about them, right? Mm-hmm. They've got a criminal conviction. They they have an addiction, you know, there could be a number of factors. Um, so, you know, some of those books reveal that they were a- assholes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a real risk. Um, but at, at, at the end of the day, and this, this is a really interesting debate, right, about music and, and art in general. And, and you know, whether or not it changes depending on what the person is really like as a person, because, you know, artists are just like other human beings. They have all the same uh, defects of character as as we do. Um, So I think you have to be careful with that. And I I think your litmus test is going to be, well, go back to the music. Does it move you? Does it it make you uh, feel emotions? Um, And I I think it's important to remember, in my opinion, when artists are in the musical phase, they're in a different world. Mm. You know, they're, 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 day life for lack of a better term is different from their artistic life right um and sometimes the struggles that they experience in their day life is what makes their art great so i think we have to be cautious about that really
0: yeah i mean i think about michael uh, jackson or Roman polanski and uh, whatever they did in their private life certainly doesn't alter the fact that what they produced as artists was incredible absolutely right.
1: yeah, yeah. Right. so um the dead kennedys I'm gonna say cool for the Dead Kennedys. Um, I, I I know their I know some of their music. I, I don't regularly listen to them. Right. But you, you gotta you gotta appreciate a band that's called the Dead Kennedys first of all. And, and <laughs> Jello Biafra um Such I mean, an interesting guy. Interesting guy, still very active. And and I, I have to I- express my my bias here. I mean, I, my politics are pretty left wing, so I love them for that. Uh, right. it's unabashed and it's, you know, it's, you know, damn the torpedoes and I don't care about record sales. If, if I express this political opinion, I like that. Um, so that's part of it. Um, on the other hand, Bernard, there's a lot of music like that, that, um, is not necessarily innovative, you know, or new, like it's the same formula over and again. Mm-hmm. Another band is bad religion. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for bad religion, right. but I, 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 I I'm not sure that all of their music is great. Uh, I love great, great work and, and um, the work that's been done afterwards. So, yeah, I, I, I put them. Put them. How about this? Oh no, I, I can't make my own category, can I? Semi- <laughs> sure. Semi cool. <you> <laughs> Semi cool. <laughs> A
0: qualified cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about Brian Eno?
1: Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: One final one: Talking Heads. Cool. Yeah. For sure. Um, Yeah. I just, uh, I mean, uh, David Byrne, just, you know, brilliant on so many levels, Um, but the band too. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: without Tina and Chris, I mean, I don't think there was a band. But um, I, uh, along the lines of what we were just talking about uh, in reference to reading about your heroes and stripping back the, uh, you know, the facade and finding the real person, uh, Chris Francis's book is not uh, entirely flattering about David Byrne. And uh, you know, similarly, you know, I uh, I read um, the biography on Lou Reed by that wonderful Rolling Stone writer uh, and. Really opened up um, a lot of areas where you could see inside, and what was inside was not very nice. Yeah, and it kind of, and so sort of thinking about David Byrne, it kind of upset me that he was such an egotist and such a dick. But again, like Michael Jackson, uh, Roman Polanski, I love the art he produced, mm-hmm. but I have this sort of internal struggle. You know, like I, now, every time I listen to a, a Talking Heads song, um,
1: I, I, I'm fighting with myself. Well, that's interesting. So your question earlier it was born of experience—the one about re- <laughs> you know reading about artists and then thinking about them. Yeah. Uh, and how do you do that, right? How do you divorce your your initial impression of the art from you know some bad information you've got, or Im- not bad information, information about them being bad? You know, I don't I, know if you I, I can. Know. Yeah. Can you? I don't think you can. I mean, unless you've got some, you know, magical power. Um, I think, I think, I think I tried to express this before and and that is that it's important to recognize that we're all humans and that sometimes our flaws humans, um, you know, provide us with, with fruit to make great art.
0: And, uh, I mean, I'm never going to throw out my Beatles records, right? Or I'm ne- I'm never going to yeah. burn a book. I still appreciate the art, but I I have an internal struggle when I think about it.
1: Yeah, and I've you know, when you mention that, I can think of other artists who are now known to have been you know sometimes racist or abusive, um, misogynist, uh, etc. And um, yeah, it's it's a hard it's it's something. I mean, for some people like me, these are your heroes, right? These are right. these are the people that have helped you out in hard times, and people you listen to in great times, and everything in between. And then you find out they're one of the assholes that you know is causing you a hard time. And you think, eh. um, yeah, that's a that, that, hard question. It is, and I'm, I'm sorry
0: we've ended on such a downer. <laughs> but well, let's uh, turn it around, though. Let's turn
1: it around. I, 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 Let's turn around. I, I th- this this has been one of the best. I don't know. We've been doing this for about an hour now. It's one of, one of the best hours I've had ever. Seriously, Bernard. Like just wow. just to sit down and, and talk music like this is one of the joys of my life. And to talk to somebody who's so you know experienced and in in love with it as I am is just a, a thrill. Uh, like it, all, the, It's wonderful. I'm so happy you're doing this.
0: Well, thank you so much, David. And I, I really appreciate you coming on and I appreciate your input and uh, your candor. Um, this has been a delightful hour. So thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, it's been my pleasure and, and a privilege, seriously, uh, Bernard, to, to talk to you about this stuff.
0: was my conversation with david yasbeck of ckcufm's thursday special blend an interesting guy by the way you don't have to be in ottawa to catch his show just point your web browser to ckcufm.com david's show airs every thursday between 8 and 9:30 a.m eastern until next time i'm bernard fraser saying please support independent artists and stay safe